Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is The Surge Effect, and I'm your host, Mike Surge. This podcast will be talking about anything and everything. Life in general to current events and past events, and all things about this beautiful and wonderful world that we live in. And this podcast, well, it'll probably have an effect on you. Welcome to another episode of The Surge Effect. It's been a couple of weeks since I've uh, posted something, but uh, I thought I'd better post something t- this week. Uh, so today we're going to talk uh, a little bit about, obviously, Pierre Polyev's win, his leadership win. Now, the other day, Pierre Polyev on September the 10th was voted in as the progressive conservative leader of that party. So he actually won by 68.15% of the vote. To kind of put in things into perspective how well this guy is liked, he got 68.15%. The next closest person to him was Jean Charest. Jean Charest was actually a liberal, and then he skipped over to the PCs just to run in this uh, election. Um, Tugger can't change its stripes. Anyway, Jean Charest got 16.07%, and he came in second, and uh, Pierre Polyev got 68.15%. So puts things into perspective in regards to how well this guy is liked by, by Canadians, and uh, they just, just a landslide for, uh, for Pierre Polyev. Now, he said a lot of things, of course, when he, he dropped off 93 different spots across Canada when he was... Uh, campaigning uh, to run for the leadership uh, position. I've been following Pierre for uh, several years now, and actually uh, I cover him in one of my other uh, videos, and you can check it out on uh, on my YouTube channel or on, on my Rumble channel. And I did a whole uh, podcast on him. Uh, you can see what the guy's all about, and uh, he's done this for years. He's about the citizens, he's about the Canadians, and he's about making our lives better, not worse. And he's looking out for our best interests. So if you just want to listen a little bit about uh, uh, about his acceptance speech when he won the leadership role, um, he talks a little bit about a lot of different things. Now, this is a bit of a um, uh, bit of a listen. It's about six six minutes long, but these are just the highlights that I've clipped from the actual full speech of his. Ones that, of course, resonates with the uh, with the Canadian folks, and uh, here is just a little bit of the clips in case you've missed them. Uh, here they are here to listen to you right now, and uh, hope you like it. So have a listen. Tonight begins the journey to replace an old government that costs you more and delivers you less with a new government that puts you first, your paycheck, your retirement, your home, your country. People are worried. Most are lucky to be just getting by. Many are falling behind. And there are people in this country who are just hanging on by a thread. These are citizens of our country. We are their servants. We owe them hope. They don't need a government that sneers at them, looks down on them, calls them names. They don't need a government to run their lives. They need a government that can run a passport office. But that hope 
has melted into worry for many. Today, people feel like they've lost control of their pocketbooks and their lives. The cost of government is driving up the cost of living. This government, this liberal government, has doubled our national debt, adding more debt than all previous governments combined. That means another half trillion dollars bidding up the cost of the goods we buy and the interest we pay. Inflationary taxes increase those costs further. Now, they plan to triple the carbon tax on gas, heat, and everything else. Now, speaking of homes, we must make stuff here at home again, here in Canada. Look, trade is great. Trade is just great. But we learned during COVID that we can't count on the rest of the world to take care of us. That is why we must be the best place on earth for workers and businesses to build factories, mine critical minerals for electric cars, and develop other resources. Right now, we lose wages because we import 130,000 barrels of overseas oil, mostly from dictators, every single day, even though we have the third largest supply right here in Canada. And that is all because our government prefers dirty dictator oil to responsible Canadian energy. We will restore to First Nations more control of their land, money, and decision-making. And those communities that want to develop resources and invite commerce to fight poverty will have an ally rather than an obstacle in me. Creating more cash, let's create more of what cash buys. Think of it. If you've got 10 loaves of bread and $10, well, it's a buck a loaf. If you double the number of dollars to 20, but you still have 10 loaves of bread, well, then it's $2. You see, spending more doesn't get us more. We need to make more. So instead of doubling the money, let's double the bread. Let's, yes. Let's remove the government gatekeepers to build more homes, grow more food, and produce more energy right here in Canada. We must remove other unneeded barriers by axing the disastrous Arrive Can app. And, and by ending the remaining COVID vaccine mandates to let people work and travel freely. makes for big citizens who own their homes, build their dreams, raise their families, look out for their neighbors, and earn powerful paychecks and savings free from inflation and overtaxation. We will restore Canada's promise in a country where it doesn't matter who you love or if your name is Smith or Singh, Martin or Mohammed, Chang or Charles. A country where the dreamer, the farmer, the worker, the entrepreneur, the survivor, the fighter, the ones who get knocked down but keep getting back up and keep going can achieve their purpose. A country where the son of a teenage mother adopted by two teachers can dare to run for Prime Minister of Canada. Absolutely. 
In the words of the great Canadian Prime Minister John Diefenbaker, I am a Canadian, a free Canadian, free to speak without fear, free to worship God in my own way, free to stand for what I think right, free to oppose what I believe wrong, free to choose those who shall govern my country, this heritage of freedom I pledge to uphold for myself and all of mankind. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. All right, those were obviously his words and his vision for this country. Doesn't that get you fired up? That doesn't get you fired up about this guy and about what he's capable of doing for this country. I don't know what will. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm pretty fired up about this dude. He's, uh, he's 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 done a lot of things so far in regards to you know watching our money and how it flows and where it's where it's coming from and and uh, where it's being spent and. Um, this guy's going to do some great things. Um, today, September the 12th, he actually uh, did his first caucus speech. And here are just some highlights from that caucus speech. Once again, it's about five minutes long ballpark. But once again, the stuff that he talks about gets you fired up and gets you understanding what this guy's all about and uh, where he's uh, going to take this country because he's going to be running against Trudeau. And he will beat this guy, and he will be our next prime minister of this country. If all Canadians step up to the plate and vote for this guy. Okay, so anyway, here's a, here's a few clips uh, that I've uh, strung together just from his speech to his caucus uh, this morning, first thing this morning. Have a listen to this guy. It touches my heart that I am able to address this incredible group to become leader of the Conservative Party from humble beginnings, the, the, the son of a teenage mother adopted by two school teachers, raised in a normal Canadian suburban household. Uh, only in Canada is this story possible. The possible for anybody to do anything they want is ha as long as they're prepared to work hard and put their mind to it. That has been our national hope. Unfortunately, of late, that hope has melted into hurt for so many people. Right now, we have people who can't afford to pay for their kids' food. And have, four in five Canadians have actually cut their diets in order to deal with the 10% year-over-year increase in food prices. We have countless young adults still living in their parents' basements, stuck in small apartments. I met a guy in Timmins who told me he couldn't afford the $2.50 a liter diesel price to gas up his truck and drive over to Thunder Bay and say goodbye to his dying parents one last time. Another worker in St. John's told me that he had to tape up his work boots, which he showed me, because he can't afford new ones. And I meet seniors all the time whose savings are evaporating because of 40-year highs in inflation. They don't know how they're going to live out their days. Canadians are hurting. And it is our job to transform that hurt into hope. And that is my mission. Already my leadership has accomplished one thing. And believe it or not, it was reported on the front page of the Toronto Star. Um, I'm going to quote here. It says, Liberals pledge response to inflation concerns after Pierre Polyev victory. Wow. 
Les libéraux s'engagent à répondre aux préoccupations en matière d'inflation après la victoire de Pierre Poilievre. So, after two years of my warning them that their massive money printing inflationary deficits would cause the cost of living to skyrocket, they have finally had an epiphany that Canadians are paying too much and that, in fact, Canadians are out of money and this Prime Minister is out of touch. Their solutions are to add more to the problem, right? Justin Trudeau plans to raise taxes on your paycheck on January 1st with increases in payroll taxes, that is, contributions to CPP and EI, meaning the number of dollars that Canadians' workers will take home will go down as Justin Trudeau's New Year's gift to them. Furthermore, he plans to triple his carbon tax. You see, he has now admitted that his carbon tax did not work, it did not hit the emission reduction targets, and now he has to triple it to do so. That means higher gas, higher home heating, higher grocery prices for everyday working class Canadians. And so I'm issuing a challenge to Justin Trudeau today. If you really understand the suffering of Canadians, Mr. Prime Minister, if you understand that people can't gas their cars, feed their families, or afford homes for themselves, if you really care, commit today that there will be no new tax increases on workers and on seniors. None is this. To the Prime Minister and to his radical, woke coalition with the NDP. Here's my commitment. We as Conservatives are always happy to work with any party to collaborate and extend and advance the interests of Canadians. We are. But there will be no compromise on this point. Conservatives will not support any new tax increases and we will fight tooth and nail to stop the Coalition from introducing any. We know the problem. The cost of government is driving up the cost of living. A half a trillion dollars of inflationary deficits mean more dollars bidding up the cost of the goods we buy and the interest we pay. He's added more to our national debt than all previous Prime Ministers combined, literally doubling our national debt. A high price to pay for all Canadians in the present. And I didn't want to talk about any of this while little Cruz was here, because I didn't want him on his birthday to find out how much of the national debt he owes as well. <laughs> but the truth is, it's not only reckless for the future, but it is too expensive for the present to continue to pile on these debts. So that is why Conservatives offer practical solutions, like requiring the government follow the same rules families follow in their household budgets. Families know that budgets don't balance themselves. So when they bring in a new dollar... We call on the government to follow the pay-as-you-go principle. You want to bring in a new dollar of spending, find a new dollar of savings to pay for it. That will contain the cost of government while taxpayers and the economy catch up. Let us keep the taxes, let's lower the taxes on our farmers, workers and small businesses so that they can provide more affordable food, that they can build more affordable homes, and that they can produce the energy we need for the future right here in Canada. The future, yes, thank you. Listen, 
The dollars and cents are just the means to an end. We're not interested in having a more impressive accounting ledger for its own sake. We're doing this as Conservatives because we know that when government ruins the finances of the nation, it ruins the lives of its citizens. We know that every single dollar spent by government is paid by the working class taxpayer and the seniors of this country, either through inflation, debt, or taxes. We know that when excessive regulation and gatekeeping hold back our economy, it means holding back the aspirational dreams of hard-working people. We know that people are hurting across this country, and the way we transform that, that hurt into hope is by fighting for people's chance to achieve their dreams through hard work. I want every single Canadian to have the opportunity that I had, to come from modest beginnings, but to work hard every day, to make sacrifices, to be responsible, and to have all of those virtues pay off as they realize their dreams in their country, a country with a small government and big citizens, where the state is servant and the people are the masters. So, pretty great start to his leadership role, as far as I'm concerned. Watching this uh, conservative leader standing up uh, for Canadians, um, and and what we what we feel, what the Canadian people feel, and uh, the last seven years for us under Liberal rule has not been a lot of fun. They've uh, done a lot of taxation. Of course, they'll blame it on COVID, and they'll blame it on the Ukraine and all this other stuff. It has nothing to do with it. It's just poor leadership, is what it is. Uh, poor leadership um so he takes over a course in the fall and i am so looking forward to watching him in the house um being the leader of the opposition uh, this fall in our house of commons it's going to be pretty exciting now of course the liberals they're going to try to dig up dirt on this guy just like you know that's the political game that's what they do they do it they did it in the states democrats did it with the republicans of course um, they did it when Trump was in office. I know people don't like to talk about Trump too much uh, because like the guy or hate the guy, he got shit done, right? And that's the important thing. Now, this political game of basically digging up dirt and using these dirty tricks and, and because you just don't want this guy in your club or, you know, you don't like the guy for whatever reason, it, it's can you get the job done, Right. It's like the old old adage is, oh, well, you know, this person here, they're no good for the job. How do you know they're not good for the job? Give them a chance to try the job. Can they get that job done? Can they, can they complete that task? And if they can, then they're the person for that job, whatever that job may be, right? You can't just start slinging mud at somebody before you even give them a chance. We've, we've had uh, liberals in, in power for seven years now, seven years. And, and what have they done? Just over the last couple of years, even during COVID, you can look to see what they've done, and they have, well, even the podcast that I put up uh, recently in regards to uh, Trudeau and even even uh, Ford government here in Ontario, what these guys have done. Um, you can figure this stuff out on your own. You don't, uh, don't need me to tell you. You can just find out yourself online. Uh, but, you know, this guy is, uh, he's on the right track as far as I'm concerned. Uh, about giving people their lives back and people can say oh he's this and he's that he, he doesn't belong to the WEF the WEF sorry which is the uh, the World Economic Forum he's not part of that and he doesn't want any of his ministers to be part of that as well of course we know that Trudeau is and a lot of his ministers are as well 
uh, that was that was covered before uh, in uh, previous podcasts in regards to the WEF. And people might think it's a conspiracy theory and all that stuff. Well, it's not. They have a website. And Klaus Schwab actually wrote a book uh, in regards to, you know, COVID-19 and the Great Reset. I mean, this stuff, you can't make this shit up. This is true stuff. This is this is reality. It's not some fantasy that somebody's just, you know, making this shit up. And uh, don't take my word for it. Go find this stuff out yourself. And uh, don't use Google. Use a different browser. Because sometimes when you're looking for stuff on Google, they don't have things that are on other browsers. And if you don't believe me, once again, Google something and then Google it on another browser and you'll see that certain things you can't even find on Google, but you can find somewhere else. So they're, they're basically, they're, they're, they're uh, picking and choosing what information that you get to see as an individual. And to me, you need to have all the information. That's my way of thinking. It's just, you need everything. And once you get all that information, then you'll be able to move forward with your own decision-making process. Okay. So anyway, with the two videos I just showed you, obviously, with uh, uh, Pierre Polyev uh, doing his acceptance speech on the 10th and then doing his caucus speech today, they were fairly long. So I'm not going to ramble too much here in regards to, uh, in regards to, to Pierre and uh, the other stuff in regards to politicians because use your common sense. You know in your heart of hearts who's true and who's not. And you know what people have done and what they haven't done. But a lot of people, they get hammered so much in the political arena and the news cycles, what they do is they hammer that individual so much that long and hard enough of somebody getting, you hear the same thing over and over again, you believe it to be true. But in fact, it's not true. It's just not, right? But like, like I said, again, I could bring up about Trump, for instance. Now, people can say whatever they want about Trump, but even just one thing that I could, that I could bring up that he did, and you, if you don't believe me, once again, go check it out. But... All the way back to Reagan in the early 80s, Reagan, you know, campaigned that he was going to put an embassy in Israel. And right from Reagan, which was 40 years ago, all the way to present day, every single president said the same thing, that they were going to put an embassy in Israel. Each one of them said they were going to do it, and each one of them didn't do it. Trump got into office, he said he was going to do it, and he did it. Now, you can say what you want, but at least he did what he said he was going to do. That should speak volumes to people. You know, people say he's this and he's that and everything else, but look at the bigger picture and what somebody's accomplished and what they're capable of doing. Ask yourself another question. Why do they not want him to run for office? Why have they done what they did to him, say in Mar-a-Lago, when in fact Bill Clinton had tapes that were um, a judge actually ruled on on tapes that he had and said that, no, no, he can... He can wave. He can wave his magic wand and all the papers and just declassify everything. So he's good. And the DOJ didn't do anything about that ruling when Bill Clinton was in office. But for some reason, everything is is against against Trump and Trump's family. And if people can't see through this, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, it's literally right in front of your face. But um, anyway, enough of that. Like I said, uh, people are going to dig up stuff on people, and that's just the way it is. And uh, haters are going to hate. You can't control it. Um, I've always said about politicians, for instance, that if they're not doing things in, in our best interests, then we do the right thing and exercise our right 
and vote them out at the ballot box, period. That's how we exercise our rights, and that's how we get things done. And our friends south of our border, of course, have the midterms coming up in November. And with those midterms coming up, they're going to make or break their Senate and their House. And what I say to those people is choose wisely. These people are going to be representing your best interests. And if you don't think they're going to represent your best interests, then you just don't click them off at the uh, ballot box. But if you believe in them and you, and you think that they're going to do the, the best job for you, then by all means, you check their name off and then uh, hope for the best. But um, people need to be diligent and, and watch these people. Watch the politicians. Watch what they're going to be doing and what they're talking about, what they are going to do in the future. And uh, yeah, they come in for certain terms and what have you, but if they don't do what they say they're going to do, they need to go, right? It, it, you're basically hiring them for a position. It's just no different than if you were hiring a secretary and you said, uh, hey, can you type? Oh, yes, I can type. Hey, can you do shorthand? Yeah, I can do shorthand. Or if you say, uh, uh, yeah, can you can you file? Yeah, I can file. And then, of course, so great, you start on Monday. Then they start on Monday and you say, uh, yeah, Sally, could you uh, fire me off a uh, quick email here? I'm just going to do a quick dictation. Can you do that? Oh, I can't do that. Oh, you, you can't do that? No. Oh, well, I hired you on that terms that you could do that. Well, then you'd have to let her go. See, that's how simple it is. I mean, these people tell you they're going to do something and they choose not to do it or don't do it for whatever reason. They need to go. Unfortunately, they're in there for a term, which sucks because, you know, they're in there for two years or three years or four years. And then you're kind of you're kind of locked. Right. But as soon as you have the opportunity to vote them out of office, get them gone. They got to go. And these politicians have to realize that the citizens are in control. We're in control of who and who does not represent us. It's pretty simple. And it's pretty, a pretty simple concept. Anyway, that's enough of my ramblings about that. Um, you can find me on Rumble, rumble.com, the surge effect. You can find me on any um, iPhone or Android app for for uh, podcasts. And uh, my website, of course, is thesurgeeffect.ca. Uh, you can also drop me an email if you like. You can drop an email at uh, podcast at thesurgeeffect.ca. And uh, let me know what you think about not just this podcast, but maybe other ones that you've heard in the past. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a great day and hope I've filled you in with a little bit of information you didn't know before. All right. Cheers. Talk to you next time. This episode sponsored by He Shirts, She Shirts. Go to www.heshirtsshirts.ca. Just type in the letters TSA, The Surge Effect. When you check out, type in TSA for your coupon and receive 10% off your next purchase. Thanks for listening to today's podcast, everybody.